This week on a lively experiment, pro-choice or pro-life, hundreds turn out at the State House for the annual debate, but this year with a sense of urgency. And a further parsing this week of the governor's proposed $10 billion budget. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by... For 30 years, a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program. Joining us on the panel, Pat Ford, chairman of the Rhode Island Libertarian Party. Dr. Pablo Rodriguez, host of Siru Hia Politica on RoadInforma.com. And Maureen Moakley, political science professor at the University of Rhode Island. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Jim Hummel. The abortion issue took center stage at the Rhode Island State House this week, as it has off and on for many years. But this year, the legislation is taking on a sense of urgency as some pro-choice advocates fear a shift to the right on the U.S. Supreme Court. And that may jeopardize Roe v. Wade. While no decisions were made in committee, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee said afterward he is confident a bill will reach the House floor for a vote at some point during this session. Pablo, we have seen this movie before. Uh, I thought that was major news that at least a vote would come out. Yeah, and I think it's because it's, it's been clear now that um, the the decision that legalized abortion in 1973, Roe versus Wade, is at risk by the shift in the Supreme Court and also by the number of cases that are already being litigated throughout the country in order to provide a test case for that decision to be overturned. There are a number of laws in Rhode Island that have been already enjoined simply because of the presence of Roe v. Wade in the in the uh, in the Supreme Court. And uh, and that um, is what this bill is trying to do. Basically, prepare the uh, the road, so to speak, when uh, Roe v. Wade is uh, eventually overturned. Especially if the Trump administration gets to uh, nominate and appoint another Supreme Court justice. All they need is one more vote for that uh, decision to be overturned. You know, I think it's I think you're right. But I think the important thing here is it's time here to do something. This has been the most contentious issue, think about this, a half a century. It is the most divisive issue in American politics. And while we don't have any control about what happens at the national level, and I'm not sure what's going to happen at the national level, but I really do think it's time in Rhode Island for us to make a choice. It's, we have a great possibilities in terms of economic development and all of this, and we get stumbling on this all the time. And the polls indicate that people... Uh, are supportive of this. There's a lot of people that have come out in support of this. It seems to be the case that uh, this, the pro-choice side has the advantage. But let's find out. The fact that they're going to take a vote, I think, is very important. Because one of the things that the leadership has been doing is they provide cover for a lot of these legislators. They don't bring it up. Right. So let's see what people want to say. Let them stand up and be counted. I, I'm optimistic that it'll pass. In a, in a modified form, <clears throat> dealing with Roe, and then let's move on. I mean, it's, it's a stumbling block to a lot of other things that we want to do, and it's incredibly divisive. I'd have to agree in one context that it is time to move on, that we do need to, to pass this law. Uh, the Libertarian Party is very uh, circumspect about it because we ultimately respect individual choice at the entire level, which, of course, means health care, not supporting abortion 
issues like that because, again, you're leveraging the, the clout of a majority to enforce that will on the minority. But that being said, the important thing is let's move on because I, I have to disagree. I think there's far more compelling issues challenging the legislature this term, not the least of which is the very financial survival of Rhode Island. So let's get it done, Let pass ask, it, move it on. Let me ask you, Pablo, that do you think a lot of people have said it's settled law? And I know you can never read. You put these Supreme Court nominees on and they're very vague. And, you know, Sandra Day O'Connor did not turn out the person that that Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan thought she was going to be. Yeah. But I also wonder if it is settled law. Do you think there's a threat? If I mean, everybody's talked about this threat. You get one more justice. Do you think there's a threat? I think there is a threat. Um, I, uh, the Dred Scott was settled law, too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Brown versus Board of Education, you know, happened in the 50s. But, you know, before then, you know, uh, blacks and, and people of color didn't have right to education. So the Supreme Court has precedent of overturning uh, decisions. And four of the, of the sitting justices have already uh, gone on record saying that the decision is not proper. Uh, so only one more is required. I, I mean, I'm not sure. In other words, I understand there's a threat and I appreciate that. My sense is that John Roberts is not going to be have the court that's going to overturn Roe v. Wade. It would be, you know, it would be catastrophic in terms of politics and so forth. And it would really put the court for political reasons. I don't think he would do it. But Nonetheless, I think we have to settle this issue here in this state, and I agree. And it's it's getting in the way of doing things that we what we that we need to do. And let's put it behind us. Let's get it settled here, and see what happens at the national level. And stop I think with this the caricatures, is the and stop with the caricatures. You know, <clears throat> on either side. You know that um, you know uh, anybody that is for reproductive rights somehow is for infanticide. I mean, you know, this is not we you know what we're talking about here. And well, I mean, but the problem is you've got some pretty egregious examples coming out of other states, not Rhode Island, where infanticide is clearly a byproduct of the legislation. Yeah, but I really think that's a poison pill. That's, I think, a poison pill. When I think it becomes past legislation, it's no, a poison pill? I, no, I mean, I'm thinking that they're proposing legislation now. There's one in Virginia where someone come up with a, with a, a proposal that would say, like, you or know... post-birth. A, post a sitting birth governor actually endorsed post-birth abortion, which is... Murder. I mean, right, but so that's we, not what we're talking about. And that's here. not what we're talking yeah. about, and that's not what the governor even was talking about. The governor was talking about a child being born that is incompatible with life, whether that child, when it's born, whether it's going to be resuscitated or not. This happens now. Okay, so this was just an example that he put up, and it, it got completely blown out of proportion. And isn't this um, also one of the issues? Y- y- nobody goes to these hearings and then changes their mind. Correct. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. like a lot of issues, it's just there's no middle ground. You're here or you're here, and we spend till 3 o'clock in the morning, so let's make a decision. And the other thing is, I just want to say, I understand the opposition. This is a very tough issue. It's not easy. And I, I appreciate where people are coming from who are pro-life. But the reality is now this is a woman's right, and we have to face up to that, and let's just settle it here so we in Rhode Island can move on. And like I said, the caricature, people that are pro-choice don't hate babies, and people that are pro-life don't hate women. Uh, we have to get away from this kind of, you know, complete vitriolic uh, characterization of the motives and the intentions of people 
uh, on both sides that are all, you know, thinking what is best in their own minds. Well, wouldn't it be refreshing if we had a vote in March or April rather than June or July? So we'll see uh, whether that happens. Okay, Governor Mundo continues to get great press in the New York Times and the Boston Globe, even as she's facing some questions about her budget as it rolls out. We've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. Pat, let's uh, let's talk with you. I don't know where to begin. I know you and Maureen are going to be on opposite ends of this about the budget. Well, about the budget, about Governor Mundo, I, what's singularly disappointing to me is that the New York Times, of all, a paper that I, even as a uh, libertarian I enjoy reading, has actually fallen prey to press release journalism. There is this, it, and, and I guess I wish our governor would exert a percentage of the effort in actually running this state and clear up the problems that she owns at this point, as opposed to this massive effort, as if it was some rocket-to-the-moon type uh, you know, gross support by the state of her reputation. It, it's simply fiction. She has been a disaster as a governor at every single level. And to have national, local media like this, Rhode Island Inno or whatever they are, and then the New York Times piling on in order to create this uh, cult of personality for her is astonishing to watch in slow motion. As far as the budget goes, it's an unmitigated disaster. Uh, you know, you, you continue to expand government in the light of all reason, and yet, at the same time, the services, the quality of the services provided by government are non-existent. All right, let's start with the uh, New York Times. The fact is that um, I think the context of that piece was we see women emerging. We see women, Democratic women Identity emerging. Politics at worst. Uh, excuse me? Identity politics at worst. Why don't we focus on the quality of the government as opposed Can to... Can I finish? Uh, okay. As to what sex she is. All right. The point is, we see women emerging, and people are talking about women as possible national candidates. Most of the women that are out there happen to be very far to the left. Uh, they're talking about Medicare for all. Gina Raimondo represents someone who is a, a middle-of-the-roader in that context. Uh, you may not like what she's doing as far as the budget's concerned, but when you look at the other women that are nationally prominent, she happens to be one who is more of a moderate. So that's where I think the interest in her comes. The idea that this massive campaign for national attention, I mean, we can't debate that, but I, I find that, you know, I find that over a wild overstatement. Let me get to the budget in a second. Would you consider her a moderate Democrat? Uh, I think she is a moderate Democrat. Um, you know, she gets hits from, from both directions, from, from the right and from the left for all her positions. And I, I truly don't think that she's an absolute disaster. I mean, the, the unemployment rate has, been, has decreased in the state. It's 3.9%. Uh, now, there's been some companies that have come to Rhode Island, and uh, there's increased construction. Um, the the situation with you have has been absolutely a, a disaster. I can't I can't, uh, I can't uh, argue uh, with that. And education, uh, which is something that we're going to be talking about, you know, shortly, I hope, uh, is something that 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 this, that this needs a lot a lot of help, and it's it's right in her alley. So, what about a ten billion dollar budget? We've talked you and I talked a little bit off uh, mm-hmm. camera before this. Ten billion dollars. It was nine point two in the last cycle. At some point, that's unsustainable in terms of going up. It's gone up 70% over the last couple of years. Where can you hold the line in that budget in your eye? Well, I mean, you know, the first and easiest point is the size of the legislative staff and the, the legislative offices and the governor's office in itself. Now, that's obviously more a philosophical statement than an actual cost involved. But we have yet to see a real cut in government spending since the Karcheri administration. 
we have yet to see any significant downsizing, either the city of Providence or the Rhode Island State House, and those are both two financial basket cases. We need to actually sit back, and this is why a constitutional convention is actually critical, and sit back at some point in time and address what is the real mission of government, because the mission creep, as exhibited by this proposal by Governor Raimondo, where we're talking about extending meals to older children, and we're talking about additional free university expenditures, a system that by there's no evidence, by the way, to support that it's actually working at any level, and yet we're spending more money on roads, and yet every single thing that they do is a disaster. Let's get government out of these areas. That's how you cut the budget. That's how you stimulate an economy. And as far as the unemployment rate, I wonder, I would love to see a study by someone independent to see what the real Rhode Island economy would look like if it Boston simply didn't exist. If Big Pharma in Boston wasn't creating this, this world-class economic whirlwind that we're living off of. All right, so where do we begin? Now, you, you want government out of the roads, right? You, when the government's not going to do roads anymore? It's yeah. worked so well. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, let's be realistic about this. I mean, I understand your point. I'll take your your point is well taken in the sense that there is a sense there that uh, in terms of social services, there's got to be a limit. I I absolutely support the fact that children going to school should get a meal, and I have no problem with that. I wonder about uh, extending it to, to people that are in college and things like that, food stamps. I get that. But basically, I don't understand your... Um, the idea that there's too many staff at, at, at the state house—that's going to solve a billion-dollar budget. It's a nice start. It would, be, it would be helpful if we started somewhere because there has been no lawn drying in a generation. And, and let's let's be honest on two levels. Number one, where is the morality? We often talk about this compact between the individual, the citizen, and government, where if the citizen gives part of their personal property, their assets, their treasure, their net worth to the government, in exchange they will receive fairness and services. Mm -hmm. That simply has been crushed in this generation. Where is the morality in, in enforcing an educational system in this state that has been broken for 25 years and we're finally coming to terms with it, yet still doing nothing? Where's the morality in leaving an entire generation behind? Where's the morality in creating an educational holocaust? There is none. Where's the morality in taking money from businesses to create roads which are continuing to fail at an epic level? This is my concern. My concern, you know, more than the, the side of spending is the side of revenue. Um, and the fact that we are going to be facing some real challenges from Washington. I mean, this trillion-dollar deficit at the federal level has to be dealt with. Because and it wasn't tax reform, it was a tax cut. A tax it was cut. easy to Even do, the but it creates a deficit. Exactly. That's exactly. A, Except, so why don't we do that at the state level? That would be great. Uh, the problem is that you don't have enough funding at the federal level to be able to run the federal government. That is going to have an impact on Medicaid funding, on Medicare funding, on educational funding, on construction of roads funding. And so, so there's going to be this clash between, you know, the fact that less federal funds are going to come to Rhode Island. We might lose a congressional seat, which will also mean less money to Rhode Island, at the same time as we are trying to lower the, uh, the, the tax base and, and, and lower taxes for, for individuals. Isn't that, Medicaid driving it, some of this, too? The, oh, I mean, the health services, clearly. And a lot course. of people say some of this is the federal money coming in, but as, as you say, rightly so, it's not always going to be there. It's not going to be there. It's not going to be there, and that is going to be the, when the rubber meets the road, when all of a sudden we're going to be fine, we're going to find ourselves with real, real severe issues. Depending on gambling, 
as one of our, our largest and most important source of revenue is something that, you know, it, it, it's really, really risky when it all the other states, when all the other states are, are putting up all these casinos. And what we're doing is taking money from poor people and from people that least can afford to be gambling. Uh, and, and it's just, uh, I think it, it, it's a big problem. First okay. step, close the Commerce Corporation. Second step, scale back drastically the Department of Transportation. Third step, let's return educational control to towns, municipalities, and to the parents and get away from this overarching need for big government, whether it be at the state level or the national level, to tell us how to educate our children. There is no correlation between the exponential increase in revenue collection and the quality of goods and services delivered by government to the people. It simply doesn't exist. Marie? All right, I want to come in the middle here, all right? In other words, I, I, I'm saying we have to have some constraints, and I agree with you there, but I have a fundamental difference about your attitude about government, your, your philosophy. We have a different philosophy about your attitude about government. The question is, how well are we doing in terms of job development? I think that we're doing well there. I think the educational, we're building in the long term, computers, K through 12 education, we're doing those kinds of things that are going to help uh, citizens get jobs. I think the money that's been spent in this budget is well spent generally speaking. Government has, should have no role in job creation. The very notion that we have a commerce corporation which creates all special sorts of special tax architecture for incoming companies or a handful of companies that are here is prima facie evidence that the existing system as it applies to citizens so in this me, state is so a failure. So tell me a state where they don't do that and it's working wonderfully. Give me an example. <laughs> well, I'll give you an example. When you have I want a state, I want a specific example of a place of which government. Does, which doesn't have, feel like they have to give it away, give it away, give it away? A state that's not doing economic right. All right. States, in terms of economic development, if you were, let's remember one thing. If you take money to give to a company, you are taking it from someone else against their will that is immoral. Address yeah, that, that, please. You're not, the you're question. Not right. the you, second so question is in terms of economic a, development. You're taking a philosophical point. I want um, a specific God forbid. example. God forbid we should have a philosophy. No, but so, no so what, no. what the right. deal right. is, though, let's, let's 20 years ago, the state should have said, let's make it easier for business. Let's cut down, and they tried to re resolve workers' comp. Let's do all of those things. Electric cost, and let's make this a popular place to come. The problem is you have an administration now trying to deal with what it should have been dealt with 20 years ago, and I agree with you. I, I'm not thrilled about the, giving it, given it. But everybody else is in that game. It's an arms race. No, no, but how many of these companies the have already left within Gina Raimondo's administration? Let's look at General Electric. That was going to be the savior. That was going to bring a digital technology here to the state of Rhode Island. They haven't even met the hiring goals for the first level of the giveaways that Gina was going to do. I want to 1970s say approach to economic development means you give companies money to selected industries and selected people and hope, hope that it works. And there's absolutely no evidence whatsoever that anything that the Commerce Corporation is doing in this state actually works other than creating a transfer of wealth and creating additional bureaucracy. Yeah, but Private I also think they would the say you'd have to look for the long game. Yeah, I think long game. Game. First of all, you have to look for the long game. Secondly, <laughs> I will agree with you. Earlier on, there was grants. We were giving money away, startups and that kind of thing. Now, at least the legislation is such that you have to produce. You don't get the tax revenues unless the job It's So we just gave a million creation. dollars to Colette Travel. Why? And a jobs grant so that they could go out and hire people and then employ their advantage in using government-sponsored uh, equity to against other companies in the same market. How is that So moral? where should government be in this? 
I, I think that we are dealing with a situation where all the states are, we are in an arms race to see who can attract companies, who can attract jobs to their own, to their own, to their own states. And we have no choice. We have no choice but to be creative and, like Maureen says, make sure that any incentives are tied to job creation and are measurable. And if you don't meet those, those uh, uh, you know, uh, ideas, then that's it. You cannot the, get it. Or, you, or you could actually take the poison pill and actually step back, understand that there will be pain, that a lot of these companies that are here temporarily for, as a result of these incentives, you can actually create the lower tax burden, cut costs, and do the right thing, act, and act like adults. But if you had done that 10, 15 years ago, wouldn't Hasbro not really be considering maybe, no, yeah, I'm okay, saying here's a good create an environment that they'd want to stay, yeah. or Textron, or right. CVS. Yeah. So Hasbro. Say, goodbye. We're not giving you anything. Take off. We're, we're happy to see you go. Where's the study that actually shows that the excess of money given to Hasbro, given to CVS, given to all these companies has actually represented net economic gain to the state? I think C- CVS is committed here. They've been here. And I think the they're... The minute Link Chafee died, tried to dial back the incentives, they started threatening and they started the saving The point is right they're away. here and they're, they're an economic asset to the state. So, so here we Hasbro question, would I, leave... I, I, we got to move on. But the last question I have for you is these are the salad days, we're going to look back. The economic downturn is going to come at some point. So, Absolutely. as you had said, we got issues with the administration. So what happens when that happens and we're already out over our skis with what is now going to be a $10 billion budget? We have then to, what do you look, do? we're making investments. I think we're making investments and we have to do that. That's where we spend. And I think that that idea is very important. And if there's an economic downturn, uh, then we have to recalibrate. But the fact now is you we're can't putting... Go back and if you're doing an entitlement program like the Rhode Island Promise, you can't say to families who have saved, like I have for years, we're going to give your kids tuition, and then, you know what, the economy's bad, we can't do that anymore. Once that's written in, it's written in. Right? Well, you can rescind things like that. You You're don't not have to rescind. It's uh, an entitlement uh, program. A, a tax incentive to a company that is privately owned is not an investment. An investment means you no, actually I would, acquire investment something. Investment I was talking about. Investment I was talking about is our educational system. I agree, it's been a disaster, <laughs> and I agree with you that we're late to the game. But I do think the governor is doing something about it. <laughs> not only in terms, you don't think it's a good idea to have uh, K through 12. Well, you we're don't we're run you, by the same people who demolished our edu- existing educational system. No. no, I don't. And there's no, again, there's no plan. We're just, it's Judy. Let's do a show. We're going to have K to 12, pre-K, pre-K, universal no, pre-K I think for we're everyone. We're starting carefully to introduce computers in the school. And computers are not a substitute for teachers. All right, we're, not, we're not saying that. All right, we, we're oh, gonna have a, we got to bring the same panel back next week. <laughs> um, let's go. I do want to get the truck tolls, but let's do outrages first. Paulo, what do you have? Well, the outrage that I have is the um, Attorney General of Texas um, doing a report about uh, supposedly election fraud, uh, identifying you know hundreds of thousands of illegal, uh, of, of potentially illegal uh, aliens uh, voting in the election and and then realizing that uh, most of these people actually were um, uh, naturalized, that they had applied for a license when they were undocumented as they have the right in Texas and then they became naturalized and in the process, you know, they voted. So uh, again, creating this false narrative that uh, uh, election fraud is rampant and that illegal aliens are voting in the millions for other than Donald Trump. Pat, what do you have? In 2006, the state of Rhode Island passed landmark legislation at the time promoting and creating the medical cannabis system in this state for patients. And that's an important word here that seems to have been lost. 
the primary goal of this program was to provide an affordable method which was based in dignity and safe in the sense that the people would have access to unadulterated medicine. Twice during the Ramondo administration, she has taken a broad-based attack on that program. The primary recipients and people involved in this program are people involved who are suffering from advanced neuromuscular diseases. They're suffering from late-stage cancers. Two years ago, this governor attempted through an onerous confiscatory tax based on tagging plants to provide additional expense to patients, again, patients, who are simply going to be unable to afford their medicine. We do not tax medicine. We do not tax contents. This medicine helps people move away from opioids. Here we are two years later, again, another broad-based attack for short money, which would limit the ability or eliminate the ability of people to engage, uh, involve their own private grow. It, it's outrageous. Raising costs, it's limiting distribution. I have to ask, based on the lack of empathy for people in UHIP, the lack of sympathy for the victims of DCYF, and now, again, and this is for my friend Ellen, literally attacking the medical supply for people suffering from diseases, I have to wonder if this governor has a soul. I have to. Uh, your point is well taken. I will tell you, tell you, they do tax you on medicine now. Remember they started that a couple of years ago? You buy aspirin or Sudafed, you do get taxed on it. But just wanted to let you know with full disclosure. Maureen, what do you have? Actually, I have a concern, and it's at the national level. We now have an opportunity with the Congress, with this bipartisan commission, to do something about the funding for the wall and immigration and so forth. And my fear is that it's going, it's already sounding like it's going to become politicized, that, you know, Nancy Pelosi is, you know, talking about, this is an opportunity for people to work together and come up with a plan. I noticed that, you know, we, we talk about what's happening in Britain with Brexit, and poor Theresa May is taking a hits for all the what happened. And the thing is, there was a, a vote in Britain to allow the parliament to take over. And they didn't want to do that. They want her holding the bag. And here the Congress, and she is holding the bag. Here we have an opportunity for the Congress to make a statement, begin to take responsibility for a a myriad problems that have to do around immigration, uh, border security, and so forth. And I just hope they don't blow it. I hope they can step up to the plate. And I think the president has been outrageous also because he's saying it's a waste of time. Nothing's going to happen. I'm not even counting on it. It means it's Republicans such... need to grow a spine in order to contradict the I don't, president. No, no, no. It's not the duopoly that's actually there. There's equal Democratic fault. I agree right? there. The Democrats are prime sponsors of the war on drugs, which has created in part the type of crisis that we see coming from Central and Latin America. The Democratic Party and the Republican Party need to put away the party label and actually, A, eliminate the war on drugs, B, give increased opportunities for legal immigration to this country in the form of uh, form of worker visas with a clear path to citizenship. Mm-hmm. You would do those two things, and overnight, you will see the type of improvement in the quality of life for all Americans, not our new brothers and sisters coming to America, but Americans at large. I agree. So, do you think? I agree I, too. I Wait agree. a minute. Agree. Stop the presses. I agree. We've got, all, we've got agreement. Well, let's talk just in the last couple of minutes about there's another looming deadline for the federal shutdown. You know, we hear the same rhetoric already. Uh, the president wants to do an end around to get the wall. I'll declare a national emergency. Do you think there's going to be another government shutdown? I do, and it'll be very short lived. Uh, first of all, <laughs> can it be avoided? <laughs> no, it can't be avoided because, again, we've reached a point in time when there is, again, 
principally, we're going to look at the immigration issue with regard to this shutdown. But when the very operation, the very mission, the very purpose of government is at such a contretemps that we don't really know what we're doing. Do you think there's going to be another shutdown? I don't. Uh, the Democrats are going to approve some border security, uh, including fencing. Up, up the, yeah, up the a including bit. fencing. And uh, the president is going to call it a wall, and everybody's going to win, and the government is going to keep on going. What do you think? I'm not that optimistic. I'll tell you one thing. If it closes down again, it is more than outrageous. Yeah, the it's, damage it is just, just the, the damage. Collateral damage to, the collateral damage is really bad. And the thing is that I'm afraid that the, the Congress isn't going to get a spine and step up. And I agree the Democrats this, have not come up with a plan. They're both equally to blame. But I also fault the president for saying it can't work. I don't agree. I'm going to. I'm, I'm planning but on this national emergency. But also, don't you think emergency. Nancy Pelosi has has seen some victory in that they see that most people would say the president, except for Fox News, would say the president caved or whatever. Don't you think she feels emboldened by that to continue to draw the line? And, and that's the problem because the media, the government. And a significant part of the uh, talking heads in America are obsessed with handicapping the results as opposed to looking to what actually needs to be accomplished. Until we can actually have a rational conversation of why we're here, where we're here, where we need to go, then ultimately it's always going to be a question of who won, who lost, who won, who lost. Talking about and the fight instead right. of talking yeah, to the I solutions. think that's right. And I think yeah. in, in, in fairness Ten to seconds. her, in fairness to her, she hasn't really spiked the ball. I think she's been trying to hold this together. But I do agree with you, and the media also stresses this who's winning and who's losing. All right, folks, that is the headline. Maureen agreed with Pat twice. Uh, Thank you all for coming, Maureen and Pablo and Pat. Always good to have you on. And thank you for joining us. It was Lively this week. Come back next week as the Lively Experiment continues. Have a great weekend, everybody. A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by For 30 years, a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White, Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program. 